March has been designated as Pregnancy After Loss Month. Did you know about this? Tens of thousands of women have experienced a miscarriage, stillborn birth, or the death of an infant. Today, two mothers will join me who have traveled the road of pregnancy after loss. Please stay with us for the first episode of their compelling stories. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. My first guest is Julie Cangiolosi, who is a wife, mother, nonprofit founder, and best-selling author. She is the proud mother of Landon and Elle and two guardian angels. Julie and her husband James experienced two pregnancy losses, and those experiences inspired them to channel their pain into purpose. Together, they created their nonprofit, Operation Little Angel 101, Hope After Loss, to help couples when they need it most. We're glad to have you with us, Julie. Well, thank you so much for having me today, especially with March being Pregnancy After Loss Month. It is a perfect time for us to have this conversation. So thank you for having me. My next guest is Laura Lee Hill. She grew up on a sheep farm in rural Idaho, but moved to Utah when she married Jay Hill. Together, they have five children for living. When her children were older, Laura Lee went back to school and is delighted to be a second grade teacher. She loves watching cooking shows, entertaining, reading, volunteering, doing family history, and trying every flavor at Baskin Robbins. Welcome, Laura Lee. Thank you so much, Deanne. It's nice to be here. I've experienced a miscarriage. And when it happened, I just kind of brushed it off. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about this previously, I had a very emotional couple of days. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. I think I finally felt it. Even 40 years later, we still deal with this sometimes. I think it's the really interesting thing about grief. It doesn't matter what the loss may be, even if it's not a miscarriage or early infant loss, but grief has a way of just sneaking up on us in the most interesting times. And it could be for me, a smell or a look or a sound that gives me that little reminder. And I feel this wave, almost like the ocean coming and it's just pummels on top of you. And you have to catch your breath for a minute and realize that the feeling of loss never really goes away. It's part of you and your makeup for your life. And when those moments still happen, whether it's 5, 10, 15, or 40 years later, you have to give yourselves some grace and courtesy to take that moment to process those feelings so then you can move forward. I think that is a very common thing that people who lose loved ones say, I honor this person 
with my grief. I will never forget them. I will be sad for my whole life. And that's okay. If that's the way that you feel best about honoring somebody that you've loved and lost. For me, that moment came about seven or eight months after her death. I said to my husband one day, Jay, I feel guilty. I had a moment of time today where I didn't feel sad or devastated. And I feel really guilty for that because I feel like it means that I forgot her. And he's said to me, no, that's healing. When you have a moment that you forget sadness, that's called healing. And that's what London, that's what our daughter would want for you. She would want you to be joyful when you think about her and feel gratitude and happiness. And he kind of released me from that guilt And if I had to say, here's the message that I have for every other woman who might be going through something similar, my message would be, when that moment comes for you, you can set any guilt that you feel aside, unless it feels better for you to hold it. But if you want to, you're not dishonoring your loved one by setting your grief aside you are healing and it's okay. I appreciate that. I have, but I didn't know how much it impacted me until we talked. I was thinking back. I don't know if it was, well, it wasn't talked about 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. It was just, okay, that happens. Get on with your life. Mm -hmm. And we are more aware now. And I think it's a good thing that we need to support and love and strengthen one another through these experiences. I hope it is helpful for even just one person because it was other mothers who had experienced the loss of a child at any stage that came to me and that really buoyed me up. Really what they did was they gave me hope that life could be really good and beautiful again. And that when that happened, I didn't need to feel guilty that life was good and beautiful again, that that was what my daughter would want for me. And that was a really big deal. You've brought up such an interesting thing. I was recently asked, like, now we know the statistics are one in four. Has there been an increase of this? And I'm like, I don't think so. I honestly think that my mother's generation, my grandparents' generation and earlier, no one talked about it. Everyone, as you said, brushed it off. It is something that happened and you moved on from it. There wasn't that time to be able to process and heal, which may be why you're processing it now. So to have the ability now to grieve openly and to be able to take away that stigma has really, to me, feels like my life mission. This is what helps me get up in the morning. And I don't know why we had two pregnancy losses, losing Charlie and Lena, but to me, it's their legacy now that has given me the strength to be able to help other couples and other moms going through one of the most difficult times in their lives. Right. I don't know when your loss was during your pregnancy. Mine was like three months. I had just barely told my mother and I just told our children, this was my sixth pregnancy. And so maybe I thought, oh, well, okay, you just go on with life. But you've named those infants of yours. 
What was the process for you, if you don't mind sharing that? So we did have both of our losses and they both actually happened to be within 16 months of one another. We were both in the second trimester. So our first loss, we were ready to do a big trip. So we spent so many years holding off on almost like the what if, like what if we get pregnant? What if we can't travel then? So we had a lot of trips we wanted to do on our bucket list, but we put everything off and struggling with infertility is a really hard emotional thing to begin with. So when we finally saw those two pink lines, I woke up my husband honestly at three in the morning because I just had that feeling. I'm like, I know I'm pregnant. So I literally woke up at three in the morning and I woke him up and I'm like, we're pregnant. And he was obviously very excited and then very curious of why. <laughs> He's like, what time is it? Now I'm wide awake. So we had what we thought was a very dream first trimester. We saw his heartbeat multiple times. We had a trip planned and we had the all clear to be able to go. And it was to Bora Bora, which is a, in French Polynesia. And our doctor said, you're fine. We saw the heartbeat another time the day before we left. We felt super confident about going. And it was in the middle of the trip that all all of a sudden, I just didn't feel right. Something is wrong. And my husband said, I think we're fine. I talked to my medical team. They're like, I think you're okay. But if you want to go see somebody, go ahead. So I went to the one hospital on the island because it's pretty remote. And I will say my high school French is not that great. So we already had a little bit of a language barrier. And when they did the ultrasound, that's when we ultimately found out that our baby has passed. And for me, I often call it, it's like that Charlie Brown teacher moment. You know, all I could hear him say was, wah, 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 wah. I couldn't hear anything after he said our baby is passed. But I still remember his wrinkly lab coat. I remember where things were in the clinic. And I remember fiercely my husband, James, holding my hand so tight and seeing his face when we heard the news. Because he, you're right, he was hurting just as much as I was. And I was in shock. And I was in that mode of shutting down. And my husband went into that mode of, what do we need to do? He just cared about my health and well-being and how do we get home? And unfortunately, after you have a loss in a miscarriage and you can't travel, you can't go on an airplane because there's a risk of hemorrhage. So we had to stay. I wanted nothing but to go home and see my doctor and honestly see my mama. And we had to wait almost a week. And it was terrifying and devastating. And I felt super isolated and alone. And it's crazy knowing the statistics, right? Not only the one in four, but 23 million couples a year hearing that news each year. But I felt lost. I had no resources. I couldn't find anything that really resonated with me at the time. We healed together as a couple. We got the all clear to be able to try again. And Unfortunately, that's when we lost um, our second child, Lena, in around the same time frame in that second trimester. And then I was completely, completely lost, right? I didn't understand why it was happening because I was like, what's wrong with me? Am I not enough? Uh -huh. I spent my whole life trying to live this healthy lifestyle, being mindful of everything. And now what's wrong with me? And that's a really hard thing 
right? right women right. are so strong. Look at you, like powerful woman. Like you, you do everything. You run your household, you have your businesses and you do everything else. So then when you find out you can't do something that you think your body's just supposed to do naturally, it hurts and it hurts hard. And I went into a different mode this time because I couldn't find any resources. So I just started looking up and I became this research machine. And I started finding other avenues that were healthy ways to grief and to have grief and, and cope. And I started journaling. I started coloring with adult coloring books because it would take my mind away from things. Thank you for sharing that. We have been talking about neonatal pregnancy loss and also stillborn and loss shortly after pregnancy. Laura Lee, would you mind sharing your story with us? I think it's very tender and it'll be helpful for a lot of the mothers out there. So my story is that my husband and I had been married for just over three years. And for a while, we had been ready to start our journey as parents, but we weren't having any, any success in the beginning of that journey. And so we had gone to our first appointment with a fertility specialist. And shortly after that first appointment, we learned that we were pregnant, which was very, very exciting. We hadn't begun any of the treatments yet. So I don't know very much about infertility and the struggles of my fellow mothers with regard to infertility, but I, I have a tiny taste. Anyway, we were just really thrilled. About a week and a half before our due date, I had a baby shower that was thrown by friends. And after the baby shower, I came home with all the cute little things. And I pulled out the baby book that we had bought for our daughter. And I started writing in it. I wanted to write the gifts that I'd gotten. And then I thought, well, I'll just keep writing. And I started to write on the pedigree chart. And I wrote my side, my parents, my grandparents, my siblings, other things that I was filling in. And then I started to fill it in on my husband's side. And I started to realize, wow, my husband has lost his brother and his father to premature death. He had lost all of his grandparents, but one, he was 28 at this time. That's a lot of people to lose that you love. And I said to him, we were in the kitchen together and I looked up from the baby book and I said, do you know, the only thing I'm more afraid of than childbirth is death. And then within a week, I experienced both of those things at the same time. And I actually came away from that experience, not fearing anymore, which seems counterintuitive. Like it seems like you would maybe fear more. But I think because of all that preparation I had done just to try to trust God, I think I was just in a really good place spiritually. And so the way that we found out was we went for just a routine doctor's appointment. We had gone to the zoo the day before. I remember feeling her move inside of me during the time that we were at the zoo. Then we came home. I was really tired. We went to bed, got up the next morning and went in for that appointment. We really liked our doctor. We were joking around. He got out that, you know, the little stethoscope. Mm -hmm. And he started to grow sober as he moved it around and didn't find a heartbeat. And then he put it away. And then he said to us, I'm really concerned because I don't find any heartbeat. We went in and had an ultrasound and it was confirmed that our daughter had died. 
And we didn't know the reason at that point. We later learned that it had been one of those rare umbilical cord accidents where it had just been wrapped around her neck and we lost her due to that accident. Thank you, Laura Lee. What a special story. You also had a very difficult journey and we appreciate that you shared it with us. I am sure that our listeners have had so many questions about how you coped with the loss and moved forward with your lives. This is part of our journey during the podcast. But we need to remember the fathers and how this impacts them. I'm afraid that many times the men are considered bystanders during the healing process, but this loss impacts them just as much as anyone. Julie, how did you and James handle it? For James, I think what was interesting, and in my opinion, because he's not here to be able to speak for himself, but with our first loss being out of the country, I don't think he processed anything until we were on the plane ride home because he literally was in that fight and flight mode. He just kept going, going, going. And I think when we finally sat on that plane was that moment that he was finally processing everything that happened. So his grieving process, and I think whether you're in the country or out of the country, tends to be a little bit more delayed because the primary concern is for the mom. I would find other ways to be able to cope together. We would find new activities to do, James and I so we could have new memories and try to rebuild because after a loss and especially after two losses back to back and it was our first two pregnancies there's a high rate for depression and totally understandable but there's also a super high rate of divorce or separation because it puts an incredible amount of stress and strain on a marriage and I have to say my husband has been my biggest rock even before this but during that moment and still to today he's been incredible and I would not honestly have been able to get through any of that without him. Thank you so much for sharing that. Lauralee, how did Jay respond to the news from the doctor? Besides that, that initial journey toward faith and trust in God, then there was like the second leg of the journey with regard to faith and trust in God. But the way that that second part began was so beautiful. We checked into the hospital, called our parents with a lot of tears. And after that phone call, we were alone in the room for the first time. It had been about two hours since we'd learned that our baby had died. Jay had a major outburst of crying in the doctor's office at the ultrasound when they revealed that she had gone, but I had been as cold as ice. I felt like all the feeling drained out of me. And then we kind of flopped and he grew calm and I started crying uncontrollably. So now we're at a stage where we were both kind of calm, but still very sad. And he said, we should say a prayer. And I said, okay, but you might need to say it. Cause I cannot, I don't know if I can speak out loud about this without like bursting into tears. And he did say a prayer and it was so beautiful. And he did cry a lot, but he said in the prayer, he just said, Heavenly father, we are so sad. We are devastated, but we trust you and we give her back. And we're just asking that you give us the strength that we need to be able to pass through this grief. And I remember thinking 
wow, I agree with everything he just said because he had so much experience with death. I just really trusted those words. And as he was concluding that prayer, what I felt was an incredible rush of power and peace and strength. And what I felt in that moment was the presence of my daughter, my unborn daughter, but my now not living daughter anymore. I just felt her come into that room like an angel of comfort. And as years have gone by, when I look back on that moment, I, I feel like God has revealed to me that she was there. It sounds like you both needed to work together with your husbands to get through the grief and to move forward. This is a great testament to your relationships, the love and the support you have for each other. Julie? You said you did a lot of research. You couldn't find the information that you wanted. And I'm sure that moved you forward to do something else to help others. It's part of my makeup to want to just naturally give back. When we were going through our losses, I felt like that was my happy place. And I worked with various different charities, many that I still work with today. But once our family was complete, I really wanted to serve couples who were just like us, those that have experienced that loss or those who may have had a stillbirth or early infant loss and give them the resources that they needed or they need that I wish I had. And that's when we founded our nonprofit, Operation Little Angel 101, Hope After Loss. And we not only have information out there, but more importantly, we provide cuddle boxes. And these cuddle boxes are actual tangible tools that couples can use. So when I mentioned I liked to color, I created a coloring book with various doulas around the United States. So it's a very peaceful thing. And of course, I provide the colored pencils too. We have memory seeds and a memory necklace, some cozy socks, because sometimes you just need to have that warmth and cozy feeling. And we have other items, including a book that I helped write entitled Mom. Now, this book is a project that was so special to me because it's not only my story, but it is also stories of 10 other women from across the United States sharing their road to motherhood because it's just like a snowflake. Everyone's different. And I couldn't find anyone's stories out there at the time when we were experiencing it. So I want to share it with the help of these courageous, amazing women, their stories. So we have stories of primary infertility, secondary infertility, stillbirth, surrogacy, even someone freezing their eggs. So it's a way to be able to, when you're not sure what to say, hopefully you can read the book and maybe understand what your friend may be going through, but also for the women going through it or the husbands, they can read it and maybe realize that they see a little bit of them in one of the stories. And my hope is that they find that peace to start going through their own process of grief. Grief is a huge thing and it's going to hit you sometime 40 years later, maybe. I know at the time that I felt grief and I felt loss, but it was part of life. There's so many women that experience miscarriages. And like I said, we don't talk about it. Um, But I was like you, I could feel there was something wrong. There was something different with this pregnancy than with my other pregnancies. And it's okay. And 
having already had several children, I didn't feel just like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't my body work? Maybe I'm not good enough. And I think we put that on ourselves too. If something mm-hmm. doesn't go the way we want it to, oh, it's our absolutely. fault. We did it. We did that. I think sharing stories of mothers who have experienced those kind of losses, no matter what their path to that loss was, it's going to impact someone who's reading that. When I looked online and saw the cuddle box, is that a cost or is it a gift from the organization? It's a gift from the organization. We do have on there a suggested donation, but that does not stop us from sending one out. It's truly our labor of love and legacy for children to be able to send them out and help people when they need it most. Proceeds from our books also fund the foundation as well, besides traditional fundraising efforts. So to me, I would never want someone not to have the tools they needed because of a cost. I really want to be able to help as many couples as we can. Sending something let me feel like I was helping them, as well as saying that I hear you and I see you. Because I think the most important thing after a loss is that people want to be seen and heard. And when you acknowledge it, you're able to start that process of healing. I thank you so much for sharing your story and your progress with your nonprofit. We will put this in the show notes too, so they will have this to contact and learn more about your organization. Yes, please visit OperationLittleAngel101.org and you can find us, become an ambassador if you would like to join our mission. And of course, send anyone a cuddle box or just look at the different resources that we do have available. Thank you so much, Deanne, for having me on the American Mothers podcast and really sharing my story and truly my mission. So thank you. Laura Lee, thank you for sharing your story of loss with us today and your journey of healing. We look forward to hearing more about your journey and what you've learned from it in our next podcast. Thank you so much, Deanne. Be sure to review the show notes to find some good resources and a link to Operation Little Angel 101. The month of March is Pregnancy After Loss Month. During this episode, we talked about neonatal pregnancy loss and having a stillborn child, the impact on the parents, and how they dealt with that, as well as with the grief. We invite you next time to hear the rest of the stories for both Julie and Laura Lee and their pregnancy after loss journey. I am so happy that my friend Doris Donnelly is able to join us today to share her thoughts about kindness and some experience that she's had. Some acts of kindness that we do around our home have centered around things that my children have done. I think about my daughter when she was about six years old and we were going into a store and she saw a gentleman sitting outside of the store with his dog and it was a cold, cold night. And obviously he was there, maybe didn't have a place to live. And my daughter whispered to me and said, mom, maybe we could do something for him, buy maybe a meal for the dog or so we went into the store and I asked her, what would you like to do? So she joyfully went through the store and found a few things for the dog, found a few things for the gentleman, 
And then when we left the store, she went over and held a great conversation, animated conversation with him, smiled the whole time. The, the gentleman was smiling with her and it has stuck with me. She's 37 years old and it has still stuck with me that my daughter at five or six had that kind of heart. And so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom to mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.